0: It's Sue Stockdale and you're listening to Cut to the Chase podcast.
1: Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase. The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family and professional colleagues talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. And welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase. This is episode 120, entitled, Who is Stopping You? So... I know people always get kind of caught off guard with regards to my crazy titles, but I'm going to be very, very honest with everyone that is listening to our podcast today. This title resonated from our featured guests. This title represents what you can achieve when you feel like Stop thinking about your why and you actually start. When you're confined by the only walls that you build yourself, don't stop until you're proud. Now, who's stopping you really comes from, as I said earlier, our featured guest, because she is An extraordinary lady and I was so impressed in in our earlier discussions and just all of the great accomplishments that she's gone off and completed in her life mind over body being an inspirational speaker a coach and before I get too far ahead what we will hear today are things that we should never really take for granted in the context of understanding that if we apply ourselves, we can accomplish anything in life. And so today, our featured guest is an inspiring speaker and coach whose achievements in business and adventure have aspired Thousands of worldwide leaders to step outside of their comfort zone and achieve extraordinary results. She encourages people not just to dream, but to take action. I'm going to say that one more time because before I get into the next pieces of introducing her, she encourages people to not just dream. But take action. Her story, yes, it is quite, quite unusual, but yet inspiring. Her thirst for adventure began at the young age of 22 when she went on a three-month expedition journey in North Kenya, where amongst the group of people, she was one of the youngest ones from around the world and climbed Matthews Peak, at 1,860 meters, trekking on a camel, carrying out a community project. Since then, she realized that she had the knack and the ability to be able to complete the impossible. Now, what I'm going to share with you next to my listeners, it shocked me. It shocked my team, and I'm sure that to her featured guests, it probably shocked her initially, but she had the mind and the wherewithal to move forward. So in 1996, she read an article which stated that they were looking for 10 novel Arctic explorers for an expedition. She sent off her details showing her brochure, or excuse me, she received the details and the brochure showing all the photos of the male explorers with the caption, which I think this caption for her gave her the fire, the desire, the motivation, the determination. And that caption said, are you man enough for the ultimate challenge? This is when she made her determination to start training And sent in her application, which was one of over 500 applications to join a 30-day expedition in the most extreme environment in the world, where she became the first British woman to ski the magnetic North Pole. And then she followed up that success with an expedition in Chile, Antarctica, and graphical North Pole in Greenland. In 2005, where she was also recognized as a pioneer to the nation of Her Majesty the Queen. Now, folks, I know I've said a lot there because can you imagine dealing with some of the harshest conditions in the world? Most of us sometimes can't deal with our kids Sometimes we can't deal with their job. Sometimes we can't deal with sitting in traffic. But going back to what I said earlier, who is stopping you? She has been an accomplished athlete who has represented Scotland in the athletics uh, arena where she's learned about the importance of determination, focus, and never getting up, giving up. She was put to the test when she was the first runner up in the Channel 4 Superhuman undergoing the most significant tough challenges ever seen on television. In business, she's had her fair share of excitement as in her career throughout the period of the United Nations, in war zone times, as an executive coach, as a leader, as a consultant, she's worked for over 300 organizations and over 15,000 leaders, including C-suite leaders in the FTSE 250 and the Fortune 500 companies leaders excuse me leaders in the olympic sports nonprofit organizations worldwide as well as as i said earlier being a speaker and a leading business school motivating risk and leadership she holds an mba and a masters in quality and she's an author that has written several books including the secrets of successful women entrepreneurs risk The Personality Workbook, and Coping with the Changes at Work. Now, it's taken me a long time to get through that introduction because I find this lady to be someone, like I said earlier, that I admire, I cherish. She reached out to me to be on our podcast, and I accepted right away after I read what what the accomplishments were that she she's completed in her life. And so without further ado, I'd like to introduce Miss Sue Stockdale. Do you have any opening remarks?
0: Well, I I feel very honored that you've described me in such a wonderful way, Greg, and it's a privilege to be here. I'm a great advocate of podcasting as a medium to inspire people, and I hope that our conversation today is going to inspire your listeners.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, let's dive in. Let's cut to the chase because, you know, out of all of the great things that I just briefly talked about from your bio, you know, the one thing that really resonates with me is what was your upbringing like as a child? I mean, what type of family? Did you have? Did you have brothers and sisters? Was there a lot of challenges that occurred in your in your adolescent life? Because by the time you got to the age of twenty-two, you were already doing great things. So that had to start somewhere. Can you help explain to us what was that like as an adolescent?
0: Oh, absolutely. I our family, we used to Enjoy family times. And I say family, my sister and I, and and mum and dad, we used to go on family picnics not not far from our our house in in Edinburgh, in Scotland, where I was brought up. But every time I recollect being a child and going on these travels with my family, I view them as adventures. So even Mm -hmm. if we were just walking locally, we'd be enjoying the outdoors and the flowers and the trees and so on. It always seemed to me to be a great adventure. But what did happen when I was 14 years old is my, my mom sadly died. And mm-hmm. I was, um, it, after that, it really made me think that no matter what age we might get to in our lives, and sadly her life was cut short, short in her early 50s, mm-hmm. we need to make the most of it. So mm-hmm. who knows what will happen in the future. But I, I guess I made up my mind after that sad situation to say, right, I'm going to live each day to the full. So that I can effectively maximize my potential, because I'm, i am i think we all can be and do amazing things, and we're the only person that's stopping us. So, it was that, uh, perhaps, moment or situation in my in my adolescent life that caused me to to take the path that I have done since then.
1: We certainly thank you for sharing that uh, that insight with us and our condolences to, to, uh, the fact of losing your mom. Um, I know that, that was, uh, it was a tough situation for you at that age. And it was a tough situation for me when I lost my father, uh, some 10 years ago. Uh, so I can, I can certainly sympathize, um, with you there. So you started to take on this, 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 personal journey, this transformation of kind of living your life without regrets and living your life to the fullest. You know, we as human beings, sometimes we say that, but we don't necessarily take the required actions to be able to execute towards that. And so at the age of 14 after your mom passed away, what were some of the actions that you were taking at that point in time when when you basically stated that you were going to live life to the fullest? Did you did you become more of a daredevil or did you decide at that point, here's my bucket list and I'm gonna I'm gonna accomplish everything on it? What what were some of those actionable things that that you are partaked in?
0: I think the first thing that is memorable after that point for me, Greg, was getting myself a job. Although I had fantastic grades from secondary school, uh, all A A levels, all you know the top level one could get, and I could have gone on to university or. or college, perhaps you call it in the US,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I I decided to follow in my sister's footsteps because she had left school at 16 years old as well and got herself a job. And I looked to her and thought, wow, you're earning money. You're getting out there and living your life. Then maybe that's the way to go. But at the mm-hmm. back of my mind, I always also really, in, I did enjoy learning. So I wondered if there was a way to combine learning with work. And I, I was lucky enough to get two job offers, and the energy company that I ultimately selected to go and work with, they mm-hmm. were offering day release, which meant one day a week I went to to college, and I was able to study for academic qualifications whilst also working. So I thought, mm-hmm. what's what's not to like about that? You can get paid, and you can have a job, and you can mm-hmm. also learn as well and further your 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 own personal knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I took that route, and. I absolutely am delighted that I did so because the organization in itself the company I worked for gave me there was lots of opportunities within it to grow and develop and to advance my own knowledge and skills and ultimately I ended up being there for 11 years I was one of the youngest senior managers in the company but along the way I was able to pursue my running career and whilst I was able to take some time off occasionally to run and represent my country I also was able to represent the company there was often corporate challenges where there were races where there were other athletes from other large corporates mm-hmm. competing in competitions mm-hmm. I did lots of I learned lots of things through training courses and ultimately worked in the training department so my um passion or perhaps unconscious desire at that stage to fulfill my potential was just about this kind of voracious appetite for learning for curiosity and for finding out what was possible in the in the corporate world and having a career in the in the workplace as well as gaining co- qualifications all the way along. So for, for all of those 11 years, I was also studying and gaining academic qualifications at the same time. I just thought that was the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um so, <clears throat> excuse me. With regards to um you being an accomplished athlete, what sports did you participate in? I know you said running, but you know, later on we find that you also participated in kind of um uh, you know, the challenge for, you know, the the superhuman um, which was one of the toughest challenges that you guys have there in in the uh, in the UK. But what was your speciality? Was it was it running? Was it skiing? I mean, you know, your athletic ability. Kind of what what did you gravitate towards the most? What was your feel of choice?
0: Well, it started purely from doing a three mile fun run with my friends. Okay. And mm-hmm. it, there's there's a park in Edinburgh, the Hollywood Park. It's in the middle of the city. And you mm-hmm. run once around it, it's three miles. And then there was mm-hmm. also, at the same time as the three-mile challenge, there was a 10-mile challenge. So I said to mm-hmm. myself, next year I'm going to try the 10-mile challenge and I'll work okay. up to that. And then I did the 10-mile challenge. And then I thought, well, I wonder if I could run a half marathon, which is 13, just over 13 miles. Mm-hmm. And from there I went, well, I wonder if I can run a marathon. So always I started with small goals and then they gradually got bigger and bigger. Now, Mm -hmm. well, by the time I got to 18 years old, that was when I ran my first marathon and only marathon. (laughs) I realized I didn't like that distance. It was far too long. And I thought to myself, I I think I'll stick to a shorter distance. But back Mm -hmm. at school, Mm -hmm. when I had been uh, 15 or 16 years old, my my physical education teacher at school, her husband was an Olympic champion. He won the 100 mm-hmm. meters in the Moscow Olympics in 1980 for Britain.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, mm-hmm. you can imagine the inspiration that, that we all got as school pupils when her husband came to the school with his Olympic gold medal and talked to us about his experience. Wow. wow. I, I just I just thought, there is somebody in real life that I have, you know, I don't know them personally, but I know of them, and they've told mm-hmm. us about the achievement that they have gained. So I think mm-hmm. somewhere along the way, that spark of inspiration made me think, well, with this running, as I'm growing up the distances that I'm doing, I'm wondering I'm wondering what, what is possible. So I think what yeah. th- that example for me illustrates is first of all the power of inspiration. And secondly, mm-hmm. the importance of taking just small steps. One small step, mm-hmm. learn something, reflect on what you've done, take the next small step. And before mm-hmm. you know where you are, after seven days, for example, you've taken seven more steps than you would have done mm-hmm. if you hadn't done anything. And those things yeah. are really the, the the foundations for me about inspiring and encouraging people to do things that they never had imagined were possible.
1: Right, right. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm saying to myself, you know, Even though you're on the other side of the pond, we have so many, so many early uh, adolescents and and teenage years uh, things in common because very much like you, uh, I also enjoyed running and went on to run about 50 marathons in my life, which my knees nowadays kind of uh, let me know that. And, I had gotten to a point to where I was about a two forty-five per hour marathoner, where I did like a lot of marathons here in the U.S., and uh, it's grueling. <laughs> it's grueling, but uh, certainly, certainly fun. And like you said, you know, it it uh, it tests you know not only your mind, your body, your spirit, but your willingness and your desire to to overcome. And so now that we understand, you know, kind of where we are with where I picked up in your bio at the age of 22, you began to seek out expeditions. I mean, at, at that point in your life, were there things that you were still looking to accomplish or were these things more kind of inquisitive to you? that you, you sought out uh, to to go forth with this type of adventure?
0: I think you've hit the nail on the head with the word inquisitive. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I use curiosity, but I think we're talking about the same thing. Yes. And, and my first expedition came because I saw an advertisement in the workplace on the notice board, and it mm-hmm. was advertising the fact that the company was going to sponsor five employees to go on a three-month expedition to mm-hmm. a remote part of the world and you got your salary paid at the same time you can see i always wow. like to make sure there's an there's an entrepreneurial yeah. element to things yeah don't, yeah. don't do it always <laughs> for fresh air, make make some money or at least get paid at the same time exactly and what, and what um, th- th- there was an advert and it showed a picture of a person holding a spider in their hand and i mm-hmm. thought oh that looks really frightening i'm not sure i'll be able to do that but uh, but i quite like the idea of going somewhere adventurous so I went through the selection process as one of the, I think there were about 30 odd people in the company applied for this expedition.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, the thing I learned about that, it was a weekend. We did a whole uh, selection weekend of different physical and mental challenges.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the main qualities that the selectors were looking for was the quality of cheerfulness in adversity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, how do you keep smiling when things are going difficultly all around you? Mm -hmm. And that's something I think I can do quite well. Anyway, long story short, I then got picked as one of the company-sponsored employees. So whilst I got my salary paid when I was away, I did have to raise uh, £1,500. That would be about $2,500 to pay for my place. Well, it was to pay for another person actually to co- come on the expedition. The company paid for my place. The money I raised went for somebody from a less advantaged background to also participate mm-hmm. in the expedition. So mm-hmm. it was that sort of paying it forward mentality. Yep. And then I got my three months off work and I and I chose to, to go to, to Kenya. And having worked in an office environment, as I say, done local picnics with my family, I didn't own a pair of hiking boots. I didn't mm-hmm. own a rucksack. I'd never Mm -hmm. been further abroad than uh, uh, Spain or Portugal, some of the European destinations on holiday with my friends. Mm -hmm. So I'd never been anywhere remotely sort of challenging. Mm -hmm. But I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. And what's not to like about having three months off work and going somewhere interesting? The other that, that attracted me to the whole experience was we were going to be doing a variety of scientific community and adventure projects.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: there was going to be some learning involved and some fun. Mm-hmm. And, and it certainly was that. I was there with 120 other young people from all over the world. And we, we were split into small groups of six to eight people at a time working on these particular projects. Mm-hmm. For example, in my group, I had a person from New Zealand, a person from America, a Kenyan in the group. I even had somebody who was deaf. And mm-hmm. it really taught me about really valuing diversity and having a global outlook. And mm-hmm. f- and in our group, for example, we chose to spend a certain amount of time each day speaking to one another in sign language so that mm-hmm. we could include the person that was deaf and we, you know, we could all try and experience what it was like to be to be hard of heating all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: you know, that may, we, maybe we should have done that for the whole time of the expedition, but I think we mm-hmm. were trying to we were trying to learn to be inclusive. And I just sure. came back from that expedition and thought, wow, there's far more to life than just sitting in my office doing finance. Right, And and the value of learning is, is, is immense and huge. And so then I, I managed to find a, a job in the training department of the energy company and I moved into that and mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. So again, it was an example of a small step, curiosity, yep. willing to put my hand up and take the action required. And I think one of the other things I've learned is what's the worst that can happen? Failure isn't failure. Failure's is learning because you're not going to win every single thing you apply for, every job you go right. for, every opportunity you aim for. You're going to get some things wrong. It's not going to work out. But that doesn't mean to say it reflects on you as an individual. It's just learning and you build on that learning and go forwards. Just like I'm sure you did when you were training for marathons.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Totally, totally agree with you, uh, wholeheartedly, um, in your remarks there. Um, it is, uh, it is really something that, um, uh, the individual as a conscious choice, uh, has to make, uh, to move either himself or herself forward in life. And, uh, for me, the, the overall marathon training, uh, became more of an addiction. You know, I found that when I didn't train, you know, the 3, 4 or excuse me, um three times a day that I felt like uh I was getting ill <laughs> because I had gotten <laughs> so accustomed to it. And uh it was definitely a uh it was an addiction to the endorphins and an addiction to wanting to always um run better, you know, against time and and against yourself, you know, and 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 really push yourself to achieve greater things that you haven't achieved before. And so yeah, I I, I certainly agree with you. Um, you know this kind of all led up to kind of the big reveal. You know, I I mentioned The fact that you saw this newspaper article about uh, 10 novel Arctic explorers, you know, setting off on a trek across the North Pole and you applied and were selected. Out of 500 applicants. And, you know, the, the fact that we're talking today about who's stopping you, which you've kind of exemplified that over and over again through your small, actionable steps that help you achieve the next plateau in fulfillment in life. And now here you are at the grand stage of getting ready to take on something that most people would probably call bullock. They would be like, there's no way I'm going to do that. But here you are. You you are standing on the edge, and preparing yourself for something that you had not ever uh, endured or or exposed yourself to. And so, out of curiosity for me, and I'm sure my listeners, what was that preparation and mental expectation like? For you to get prepared to go into something that I would perceive is, you know, it's kind of a life or death situation. I mean, what you're dealing with kind of walk us through your your initial preparational stages for that.
0: The important point to make it at this stage, Greg, is I wasn't doing it on my own. I was part of a sure. team. And I think sure. that that is a very important thing to have support around you when you're going to accomplish a challenging goal. Mm -hmm. Yes, in my situation, the support, if you like, the team was going to be there on the ground in the Arctic with me. For others, it may be they just have remote family support or friends or ex-colleagues, whatever it is. I think, you know, having people who are on your side is a a really important part of preparation to know that you're not Mm -hmm. doing it on your own. Mm -hmm. Well, in terms of that situation, if you imagine it, I was potentially putting my life in the hands of people who are strangers to me. Going out to that environment, I didn't know these people. I didn't know Mm -hmm. if I could trust them. So first of all, we had to build trust together. And Mm -hmm. one of the ways that we did that is we all sat down together one evening and we wrote what I would call our what-if list. So we wrote Mm -hmm. down all our fears and anxieties. For example, what if we meet a polar bear? Or what if Mm -hmm. we run out of food? What if we fall in a crevasse? All of the things. What if I can't stand the people I'm sharing a tent with? All of those Mm -hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And then we shared them. We we actually expressed them. We talked them out. Now we didn't necessarily come up with solutions to each "what if," but somehow, mm-hmm. when we all shared them, we all realised that we had the same fears and concerns. Not not right. exactly the same, but but you know there were very many similarities. And all of a sudden, then you think, "Oh, I'm not alone. It's not just me that thinks this." And now that we've mm-hmm. expressed it, it doesn't seem half as frightening. So I think that's a really important part of preparation is you're not in things on your own sometimes and being prepared to share what our aims are or what your dreams are with other people, the people that you know, or you believe will be on your side can help you have that bit more confidence. And then of course we had to get fit as well. So that my running really helped me to Mm -hmm. have an all round fitness and particularly endurance fitness. And then to be able to prepare for going into temperatures that are generally cold enough to freeze your flesh in seconds. Right. The perfect preparation that we did is we went into a giant freezer in the Smithfield meat market in London. So one of those freezers that's normally full of animals that are going to be going to the marketplace, they, mm-hmm. they you call it the meat out of it, but they put the temperature to minus 20 Celsius. And right. in we went with all our normal street clothes all our arctic clothes with us and our tents and our equipment and all of a sudden we realized how cold that was going to be and how Mm -hmm. you really have the right equipment with you so although we were only in it for about half an hour or an hour it gave us a really good sense of simulation Mm
2: -hmm. and that's
0: another thing i think when you're going to try something new can you simulate it? Can you practice it in a sort of safe enough environment that if things go mm-hmm. wrong, you can get back out and you can learn from it before you take the next step? So right. I realized that, wow, I was going to make, have to make sure I had absolutely the right clothing with me. I would be, have to make sure I'm really fit. But also what was most important, and I reflect on this as a, a point even more so having done the expedition, is mental preparation. Mm-hmm. And, and it brings us back to this, point about the value that sport can give us. I Mm -hmm. learned the importance of determination and not giving up from my training in athletics. Every week I would be down down at the running track with my friends and we would be doing training sessions. And even although you were exhausted and tired, you still kept going. You never gave up. And Mm -hmm. that discipline, that determination Has seen me through so many activities since those early days of running. So I think that that is a really important part as well of what I need to have was the mental fortitude, so to speak, to keep going in the Arctic. Because nobody else is going to ski the distance. Nobody else is going to drag your sledge. You have to do it yourself. And therefore, what's going on in your head is vitally important to be in a positive frame of mind to believe you can do it and just to keep going hour after our step after step.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I, I'm sitting here as you're, as you're telling me that story and I'm just thinking, you know, whiteout conditioned, you may be able to see visibility, maybe a foot in front of you. Of course, unbeknownst to anyone you probably would not see a polar bear coming at you (laughs) you might hear him but certainly not not see him uh you know i just it's just hard for me to fathom i mean it's like wow you know and 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 what was the um it was the was the trek itself how how many miles was that uh over what period of time i mean was that was thirty? I know it was 30 days, but how many miles was that that you guys covered?
0: We covered over 350 miles, which is about 550 kilometers for those that measure in that way. And mm-hmm. we were dragging sledges, each of us, weighing the weight of an average person, say 50 kilograms or, or heavier, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. packed with all our food and safety equipment and so on. And we were skiing in 24-hour daylight, so it never, never got dark and also the there's nothing to look at there's nothing to focus on everything around you is just white and therefore we there's nothing to measure in terms of size or scale either so it's it takes away all of those different sort of senses that often give us a better way of calibrating where we're at in in normal life so to speak when we're not in the arctic and therefore it's so important in terms of being aware of what's going on in your head and how that is going to help or hinder you. So if I was feeling tired and I might think, oh, I'm, I'm exhausted, I, I'm not sure I can keep going, I would begin to notice that my skiing speed got slower. I couldn't right. keep up with other people. And therefore, I'd have to say, "Nope, come on, Sue, you have to be focusing on what you can do, what you can't do, rather than what you mm-hmm. can't do. So mm-hmm. in the in the vast challenging environment of the arctic i certainly realized that as human beings we are not really in control mother nature right. is in control and therefore the only thing you can do despite all of the uncertainties all of the things you can't control is you just focus on what you can control and at mm-hmm. the simplest level that is what is going on in your head and i think it's one of those things today sadly that we've all had to experience so much more because of the coronavirus Situation mm-hmm. that you know, many countries, all, all countries around the world have had in some way, shape, or form. So, learning to understand what what's going on in your head, how can you control and manage that, despite uncertainty all around you, was a great way to put that into practice in the Arctic.
1: Right, right. Well, definitely. Thank you for for sharing that. Um, you know, all those points are. Um, very valid, you know. When you when you think about it, it almost reminds me when I was in the Navy and being out to sea. Um, you know, you're looking horizon to horizon. There's only there's only water, But in, in, in your particular case, it's like you said, it's all white. So there really is no point of reference, uh, which can can kind of disorient. You know, any person that is not mentally uh, conditioned to deal with something like that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just amazed, you know, that, uh, I'm speaking to someone that has actually done that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you very much for, for sharing that. And so Sue, you know, we've accomplished all of these great expeditions. Um, you know, we've done things that have really put you on the pedestal for, recognition as being a pioneer, uh, as being an athlete, and then you take all of what you've learned and you begin to speak about it. You begin to coach. You begin to help those in need, such as some of our leaders in the world today. What drove you to take all of this Knowledge and experience and content, and shift that into becoming a an author, a speaker, and a coach.
0: Well, it happened when I came back from the Arctic. You can imagine I was in a great high. We, we had plenty of media coverage, mm-hmm. and I thought, "Wow, I'm going to just uh, you know sit, sit back and wait for things to come to me," mm-hmm. and. And I waited a week. I waited a month. I waited, in fact, three three months.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And no, things didn't materialize in the way that I had imagined. And mm-hmm. I said to myself, in the end, you know, Sue, the only person that's stopping you getting back out there is you. So mm-hmm. you have to take some action. You have to move forwards. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, h- how can I move forwards? I wonder what is is. Was there a bigger reason? for me doing that expedition I never imagined mm-hmm. that it was possible and, and and yet I was successful I'm just wondering rather than those memories being photographs in an album how, mm-hmm. could, they, how could they inspire other people just like I'd been inspired mm-hmm. by that Olympic athlete all those years earlier I'm mm-hmm. wondering in some way could my story inspire other people
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it, that was the sort of kernel of the idea, maybe there was a bigger reason and then what happened was I got back in touch with the charity who had been on expedition with to Kenya. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, maybe I could get some of my confidence back by, by helping other people who might be wanting to go on other expeditions. So mm-hmm. I rang them up and I said, well, I've done a few more things now than when we last spoke, I've been, been to the Arctic and so on. Are my skills and experience of, of any value to you? Could, could I come and volunteer on one of your expeditions as a, as a leader? Mm-hmm. And as it happened, they said, yes, we've got an expedition leaving for Chile to, in three weeks' time and we're looking for a deputy expedition leader. And it seems mm-hmm. like you'd be perfect for that. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, that would be a great way to to go off and perhaps have that adventure experience again myself. But this time, not just for me, to to be in a position of leadership where I could enable others to have that experience too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I went off to Southern Chile, and I spent four months there being deputy expedition leader, in a similar vein than what I'd experienced as a participant in Kenya.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, wh- while I was there, I was writing letters. It was the days before internet. I wrote a letter to my sister in Scotland, mm-hmm. and uh, and she replied back, and she enclosed a newspaper cutting. Mm -hmm. And this newspaper cutting was talking about an expedition going down to Antarctica that a a very well-known explorer called Robert Swan, the first man to Mm -hmm. walk to both the North and the South Pole, was organizing. Mm -hmm. And this was looking Mm -hmm. for some representatives from Scotland to to be part of this expedition. And she wrote Mm -hmm. in her letter, she said, haha, so you're too old for this now because you had to be under 25 years old to do it. And I was almost Mm -hmm. 30 at this stage. Mm -hmm. So she said, but I thought you might like to know about it. Now, here, Mm -hmm. this to me was was an opportunity. I thought, here I am in in southern Chile. I'm almost at Antarctica, and there's another Mm -hmm. expedition opportunity. Surely, they will need extra members of staff to help them out. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So I didn't know Robert. I didn't know anything about this expedition. But I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? He doesn't reply to my letter. So I wrote Mm -hmm. a letter, and I enclosed my resume and said, here's what I've done before. I have been to the Arctic, and I've got a bit of leadership skills and experience I'd love to be a member of staff on your expedition if you're looking for people. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Well, would you believe a few weeks later, a letter came back from Robert to say, yes, we'd love to have you on the expedition team. Well, I Mm -hmm. couldn't believe that. I thought, wow, this is a miracle. This is too good to be true. Mm
1: -hmm. And later
0: on, when I did get down to Antarctica with Robert and the team, he said, no, don't be stupid, Sue. It wasn't a miracle. He said, there were two good reasons why we picked you. Mm -hmm. He said, on your resume, you had had experience with working with the United Nations in a war zone. He said, this Mm -hmm. expedition is a UNESCO sponsored expedition. He said, we Mm -hmm. thought there might be some relevance between the UN and UNESCO. And secondly, unknown to me, another member of my North Pole expedition team was also a leader on this trip. And he had recommended Mm -hmm. me. And it taught me about sometimes it's also those relationships, those contacts that you make can be really helpful that you don't even know exist, but they may just give you Mm -hmm. a stepping stone in the future. So I ended up in Antarctica and spent a month down there again, this time with 35 young people from 25 different countries and along Mm -hmm. with Robert and a number of other leaders. And we, we, we were there to help these young people get inspiration from seeing the reality of being in Antarctica and I heard Robert talk and Robert is a fantastic motivational speaker and I heard Mm -hmm. him use his, his own life story as a way of inspiring these young people. And that Mm -hmm. then reinforced this thought in my mind, maybe I could be a motivational speaker too. Maybe I've got a story like Robert.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And so Robert's wife at the time was his agent, his speaking agent and and I, and I wondered what how i could sort of find out more about how to be a speaker
2: mm-hmm.
0: so i was encouraged by another member of the team to ask robert's wife for help and i, and I thought why would she help me she, you know i'm not anybody important and mm-hmm. and and he encouraged me in in a great supportive fashion to just have a conversation with her So I contacted her and sure enough, she said, yeah, I'd love to help you, Sue. And in a way, she mentored me to create my first ever motivational talk, bringing to life Mm -hmm. the experiences I've had, the learning points out of it. And that was how I started as a motivational speaker. It was through being inspired again by Robert, hearing how he had done it, and then getting support and encouragement from from Nikki, his his Mm ex-wife, to... Mm-hmm. See, you too can do this sue so there was a support that was really encouraging me to take the first step and that was now 23 years ago and you know in, in a way the rest is history
1: wow <laughs> what what a uh as as i mentioned earlier what what an un- unusual and inspiring Story you have, Sue. I mean, it it is absolutely remarkable um, the things that you've been able to accomplish. So, as we fast track beyond kind of the expeditions and all of the great things that you did all over the world, uh, trek setting, um, you find yourself now as a motivational speaker, as a leadership consultant, and now you're tasked with. Literally working for the United Nations and executive coaching, and you currently run your own consultancy firm as well as your own podcast. Is that correct?
0: That is correct, yes.
1: Could you explain to our listeners a little bit about your business today? And of course, what is the name of your podcast?
0: Well, my my business today is uh, mostly doing executive coaching with leaders Mm -hmm. in many different organizations, some of the world's top companies and, and C-suite executives from those organizations. And I'll tell you what I have found, Gregory, is that no matter mm-hmm. the position of leadership that people have within their organization,
2: mm-hmm. when
0: I'm able to connect with them as a human being and help mm-hmm. them to see that they, as a as a person, can still improve what they're doing, can perhaps recognize maybe where their beliefs or their mindset is not helping them accomplish what they want to Mm
2: -hmm. and they
0: can get out of their own way literally they are able to move forward and accomplish amazing things Mm -hmm. so uh, the thing i learned in the arctic is about the importance of authenticity showing up as yourself in the Mm -hmm. arctic it doesn't matter how much money you have what you're background is what your job is you know does none of those things matter you have to just show up as yourself and that is good enough mm-hmm. to survive mm-hmm. and i take that principle that i learned from the art to, into my work today and i show up and i meet people where they're at uh, mm-hmm. of course i'm respectful for the job that they have the the level of accomplishment that they have achieved i'm not saying that i, I don't respect that i of course i do mm-hmm. and whilst respecting that i i also just meet them where they're at. With, with no expectations of how they ought to be, what they do or don't know. And people really get that sense very quickly of that connection. And then mm-hmm. they're able to open up and start to explore maybe what's holding them back. That gives mm-hmm. me a huge amount of pleasure because just as I had been inspired in my early life, as I've talked about today, in mm-hmm. some way I'm, I see that my being there, being present and showing up with these leaders and giving them a space to think and reflect and explore it it enables them to have that inspiration themselves to do more and be more. So that's one of the things that I spend a lot of time doing is, is the coaching.
1: And -hmm. then this
0: podcast series and it really resonates with, with the values behind cut to the chase podcast is, is our podcast is called access to inspiration. Mm -hmm. And we interview people from all different sorts of backgrounds from all over the world, people who've got interesting stories to tell. And Mm -hmm. I show up in exactly the same way on that podcast. And I hope if any of your listeners choose to hop on over and have a listen to some of our episodes, they'll get that sense, is if I can bring out the brilliance of our guests so that they can tell their story and be proud of it and share the learning that they've gained the insights about life and about some of the values that they hold as important and so on, that we will learn and be inspired by people who can be unlike or who are unlike us.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's and that's what the, the podcast aims to do. So I, I really enjoy that as well, and I, I show up as myself in all walks of life, whether it's coaching or podcasting, to mm-hmm. be able to bring out the best in other people.
1: Well, we certainly thank you for sharing that with us, uh, Sue. Um, you know, I think that was one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, that we connected on. You know, right out of the gate when we first talked, was just a simple aspect of, of really being able to connect, bring forth unity, and and really trying to find that fulfillment that we all um, thrive for in a manner of genuine and kind of authentic conversation. And uh, certainly thank you for sharing that with our listeners. And of course, I have listened to some of your podcasts and uh, they're quite lovely, quite nice. Maybe one day you can have me on as a featured guest. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so before we wrap up, you know, you've written several books, uh, some of those um, I I called off or named in, in the, uh, in the introduction, uh, of you. Um, how could people, if they're interested in some of your literature, some of the books that you've written, how could they go about acquiring, uh, some of your books? Are they available, you know, via the Kindle, Amazon? Can, can you give us some insight on that?
0: Absolutely. They can go onto all the the publishing platforms such as Amazon or you can equally go to my website, SueStockdale.com, and you'll find them all there and then links to the relevant platforms that they're available. So that that's probably the easiest way to see what, what I've written. And then mm-hmm. go to your own whatever preferred supplier you have and you'll you should be able to find them all around the world.
1: Excellent. 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 So, Sue, you've provided us with so much inspiration and encouragement. And along with all of the achievements that you've accomplished, not only in business, in expeditions, in your journey, and in your ventures, I must ask this question because I think for me, I already know the answer, but for those of us that are sitting out there listening to this podcast that are still sitting on the fence right now, wondering, do I have what it takes? Just listen to Stu's story. Just listen to what we've heard, you know, through the context of this podcast. And so, Sue, for those individuals that are sitting and listening and gravitating to every word that we've just spoken. And if you were to ask them that question and provide them with a course of action, who is stopping you? What would you tell those people today?
0: I would say often the only person stopping you is you Mm -hmm. and that to get around that, is to take some action, to take one small step towards your desired dream or outcome that you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And then reflect on what have I learned from that? What could I do as my next step? Mm-hmm. And even though, though there might be a voice in your head saying, oh, this is too hard, or I want to give up, just mm-hmm. put that voice to the side and say, yeah, I know you're there serving me, trying to keep me safe and uh, be helpful. But today I'm going to just turn that volume down on that voice and I'm just going to take my next step and see what happens. And then mm-hmm. you can learn from that. And then you just take the next step and you learn mm-hmm. from that. And after seven days of taking seven small steps, you will be a little bit further along on your journey towards what you want to achieve. And then that in itself gives you motive. Motivation, And if you think about what the word motivation actually means, motive for action, you your mm-hmm. motive for action gets stronger and stronger the more that you try things out and you reflect and you keep enhancing what you're doing. So right. that would be my advice or suggestion to the listener to see if they can not stop themselves achieving what they want to.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. We certainly, uh, again, we thank you for taking time out uh, to be a part of our, our program today. Uh, it's been a joy and a delight to to share this moment with you. And I hope that uh, at least from my standpoint and my team here with Cut to the Chase is that we find ways to collaborate uh, again and, uh, and continue to build upon the momentum of friendship and professionalism and and collaborative spirit as we go forward
0: and so as
1: i go ahead sue sorry
0: (laughs) i was just going to say absolutely i think we are on a shared quest to help people have more inspiration and hear real life stories
1: yes yes absolutely absolutely Absolutely. So to our listeners, as I opened up with the quote, um, I'm going to end with the same quote, which is probably unusual for me. But I, I think this there's this quote really resonates when you feel like stopping. Think about why you started such powerful, powerful words as we have seen and heard and listened to through the words of our featured guest today miss susan stockdale this has been episode 120 entitled who's stopping you thank you again very much susan it's been a delight and a joy and to everyone that is listening to the program as i always say at the very end Let's please maintain compassion and empathy towards one another. Find a way to unite and come together to make this world a better place. This is your host, Gregory Proctor. This has been episode 120 entitled, Who's Stopping You? Thank you very much, everyone. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.